We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Tamara Gady. Today, we're going to talk about how to build a successful geo farm. But first, if you like my content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So let's get a conversation going about your title needs. You can reach out to me on all of my social media platforms. Today's guest is Charlie Brown. He is the team lead of the Charlie Brown Group. He did in 2022 over $100 million in production while leading a 12-member team and a significant focus of his business, while not the only one, is geofarming. So as the market has changed, a lot of realtors have come to me asking me, how do I farm a neighborhood? And so I wanted to have Charlie come in and really break apart how he tees up uh, geofarming a neighborhood. So thank you for joining me today, Charlie. Not a problem. I'm grateful to be here and love sharing uh, this information with, uh, with anyone who's willing to listen and uh, apply it. Well, I heard you speak at Michael's uh, Mastermind event, and and you just didn't have enough time, right, to talk about the intricacies. It was very yeah. much a high level conversation, mm-hmm. which we understand because it was a long, it was a, a big event, right, yep. with a lot of speakers. But I wanted you to come in and really let's see if we can unpack some of this a little bit, okay? So let's start with my number one question: is what helped you get started in real estate? Let's set the stage. You know, as a new agent, we all start from the same place. So I love telling people we're all starting from ground zero, even though maybe someone's producing 10 million, 20 million, 100 million, we all started out at ground zero. And so one of the blessings in, uh, in doing how I did it, and I didn't know, but I just had to scrap. I just had to go get business. And I think yeah. there's a lot of agents out there that feel that like, whatever your level of, of desperation is, whatever your why is, it's gotta be big enough to get you in gear. And so that was kind of what happened. I said, you know, I have got to get in gear. So I started doing everything that they tell you to do that works, door knocking, phone calling, uh, volunteering to do open houses, yeah. and, you know, expires, FISBOS. And so what ended up happening over the course of, I would say a year. And I think that's important for people to understand that, you know, real estate is not an overnight success game, but it is a pipeline game. And so I had to really run from the get go. And it took about six to nine months for that to really hit. But when I had an opportunity and I got my first listing from the door knocking, from the phone calling, and I went into a neighborhood, I said, okay, well, this is, this is the neighborhood in which I have an opportunity now. And so I'm going to do the open house like every day. I got nothing else to do. Yeah. I'm going to do the open house. I'm going to door knock. I'm going to phone call. And before I knew it, I had met the neighbors and the neighbors needed to sell. And so then I did that exact same process all over again. I door knocked. I phone called. I did open houses. I yeah. started putting out... 20, 30 open house signs. Hey, why not put out um, a, a mailer? I just sold this home. And so within a relatively short period of time, I had found that in one relatively small neighborhood, I had sold 50 homes. And I was a pretty young agent. That's it, incredible. Yeah. yeah. It, it was awesome. It showed me the power though, that number one, the basics work. Yes. And they always do. Yes. So for anyone out there, it's like, how do I go and get business tomorrow? You have to remember that it's going to be the proactive activities that are going to get you that business, even though we would all rather get business somehow through social media. And maybe we can do that. But if I need a listing tomorrow, I've got to somehow talk to people today. 
yeah. right? Like physically talk to them in an engaging way. And, and the geo farming allowed that to happen. And then it just kind of snowballs. And, and before you know it, you're the neighborhood realtor or you have influence or you just have the ability to provide value to an entire community and they see you as a resource. Okay. So you said so many things in there that um, are really, really important. I think the number one thing that I want to emphasize is you said you have to be consistent and it's going to take about nine months for it to pay. It's a longer game, right? It's not yeah. necessarily, you may get a listing sooner than that, but you need to prepare your time to be a nine month game plan. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. You know, I told myself when I got into the industry, I think that every agent should do this. You got to give yourself enough time to be successful. Yeah. I've met a lot of people that maybe had the, they had the skill set, but they didn't give themselves enough time, right? So, you know, I did. I wanted to bail on real estate with about month six to seven, mm -hmm. you know, and I tried and, and it didn't quite work out. But then I kind of, you know, shook my head and said, no, I told myself a year. And I'm glad I did because by the end of that year, things were going great. But the first nine months were pretty shaky. And I, and I had a lot of people depending on me to, to make it work. So failure wasn't an option, which is what allowed me, I think, or really pushed me and motivated me to make sure that I was doing the activities that would give me the best odds of getting business. Part of my um, real estate career has been a, a short stint as a recruiter for a broker. And all of these new agents would come in after going to Champions, getting their real estate license. They're super excited. And I would ask them the question, how much... How many, how many months worth of savings do you have? <laughs> yep. Every time I interview somebody, I ask the same how question. How much savings mm -hmm. do you have? Because you need at least six months more, nine to 12, when you're starting out, right? Correct. And I tell people all the time, I say, if you're wondering how you're buying groceries next month, correct. you know, this might mm -hmm. be difficult for you. And so laying that groundwork, and we're going to talk about what the groundwork yeah, is. Yeah, Absolutely. But I really want to emphasize to anyone start wanting to start a farm, a geo farm in a neighborhood is that you have to be consistent and it's going to take a minute for it to pay off. Mm -hmm. We cannot emphasize that enough. So now that we know what, what, that we have to be consistent, it's going to take a minute. The first thing you need to do is pick a neighborhood. So what do you look for in the right neighborhood? I think it's really important that you start where you're most comfortable. Right. Because that's where you're going to be able to relate to the people, you know, don't go over to town over because the price points might be higher because you're not probably in their circles. You're not going to their grocery stores. You're not going to their schools. Your kids aren't there. You're not whatever it is. So you always want to go where you can speak the language of the people. Sure. Right? And you can say, I'm a part of this. We are a part of this. And you're going to be able to relate with them a whole lot better. So that would be my first thing is go where it makes the most sense, yes. right? You know, if if my farm neighborhood, it, it should be your own neighborhood. If you I live agree in a neighborhood, you should start in your own that's backyard. That's where you should start. Yeah. You know, now if you happen to get a listing, maybe at the neighborhood next to you, great. That's just yep. fine, you Perfect. know? So I literally have become a top agent in my zip code and have been for almost my entire career because I kind of just focused and honed in on that zip code. And there's still so much more business I could do there, but I just kind of grew where I was planted. And that just makes the most sense. I agree. Um, let me ask you this. Do you look in the neighborhood to see how many realtors live there? 
I don't. But uh, if I wanted to give a piece of advice, though, there actually are some uh, tricks to the trade. You do want to see what the turnover rate is, right? Oh, for sure. You want to see what percentage of the homes in the neighborhood are hitting the market annually, right? Is it actively moving? Is it moving? That's right. Some neighborhoods barely have any movement. They're very established and there's just almost no movement. So you want to see that there's at least probably about a five to six percent you know, somewhere around that number. It doesn't have to be that number, but you don't want to see only 1%. If there's 500 homes in a neighborhood, you don't want to see that only 1% of them are hitting the market every year. Your odds of really capitalizing on that opportunity aren't going to be great. Hmm. I have a, I have a walking farm app. Mm -hmm. I'll show it to you and Mm -hmm. it'll, you can just draw a little circle and it'll calculate your turnover rate like that. Yes. I have used the lawyer's title walking farm. Okay. And it is cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of the things, because I work, live, play mostly in the Frisco area. Right. And so, um, I have realtors come to me and they're like, I want to farm the tribute. Do you know, I don't know if you know what the tribute is. No, I mean, yeah, I don't come over. It's like how many realtors live in the tribute. (laughs) I just think sometimes you need, you do need to, I go where my competition isn't. Right. I try to find um, ways to work smarter, not harder. And if you're looking, I think it is important to look at a neighborhood, not necessarily to worry about how many realtors live there, but who, who is, who are the dominant players? And you can drive the neighborhood and look for listing signs. You'll be able to tell. Right. And so I think. I think that is also, to me, I think it's something to consider. It may not be something that you yeah. consider, but we've got um, some neighborhoods out in the, in the north area that are that are saturated with very established realtors. Yeah. And so I think and it's you're something right. to look at. That, the, there are cities like that that are harder to break into. One of the interesting things, I'll just take two seconds to say this, is that, but don't sell yourself short on that because a lot of agents, even if they're established, because they're established, stop doing the activity. You're not wrong about that. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen agents lose yep. their market share because they start assuming that they have all the business and then all of a sudden someone else comes in who's hungrier than they are and is willing to out-hustle them. And before you know it, all it takes is one two, three, and now you got a new player in the game if that person is smart because all they have to do is play the geo-farming game correctly and they start to take over your market share simply because they out-hustled you. That is an excellent counterpoint. So wait, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let, let me ask you, where do you where do you get your lists your, of owner information for the neighborhood? Yeah, so there's so many great ways. Obviously, the MLS and realist tax, you, you can get into there. You can look up a subdivision in the tax records and say, how many homes are in this subdivision? I just search by subdivision and I'll type in a subdivision and it'll say, oh, there's 650 homes in this subdivision. And then I can go back and look and say, okay, how many solds have there been over the last year? So that'll help me kind of determine, is there activity? Okay. Um, you can uh, use Remind. You can yeah. use all, you know, there's all kinds of tax sources. I like Remind. Um, you know, lots of times the title companies have access to different tools and and uh, resources. They're all kind of the same though, right? Sure. You're, you can pull data from lots of places. So if I'm just looking for straight addresses and numbers, honestly, our own tax records that we have as agents can provide you everything you need. Okay. Uh, you can technically export up to 7,500 
a month as an agent, 7,500 names and numbers from the tax record. Oh, you can? You can. Wow. So it has a limit of 7,500, but you can pull that many if you're That's looking- That's a lot. To, it's a lot. Looking to do a list for any particular purpose. Um, and, and like you said, there's apps out there that you can be walking around and it's kind of like a mini tax- record on your app it's telling you oh this person bought this home in 2019 for this amount and it's, it's you can see all the information it's all, right public on. Records, it's all, it's all yeah. right there how much they financed and so i can be like oh this person bought this home five years ago and they probably don't owe a, a, owe a whole lot mm -hmm. um so that, that's the likelihood that they'll move right it's that's a score right. it gives them a score of how likely they are to move based on equity and length of time in the home and that's other right. predicted and, and you know we do we do phone calling around all these geo farms you know, okay wait 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 how do you get yet. okay because a lot of these farming software they don't come with email and phone number correct so how do you get email and phone number that's a big question for realtors yeah you know there's uh, some great systems out there i know a popular one is mojo vulcan 7 uh, Red X. And so those are some of the more popular ones. But, okay. you know, those systems, because so much is public information, those companies have just done a phenomenal job of putting it all together. And it's, and this is what I always tell people. People are always asking me, how do I spend my money? You know, should I go buy flyers? Should I go do this? And I'm like, if you're starting out or if you don't have a lot of money, spend your money in something that gives you control of your destiny. Okay. Right. So I'm going to go and I would pay all day long for a service that provides me all, all of this information versus sending out 500 flyers because I have no control of what happens with those 500 flyers, but I got control all day long of how many people I want to call. Excellent point. And so I can circle my farm area or any area. It's going to give me all the information, phone numbers, emails, if they're listed, um, and, and it does a great job. It, you can even get it to where you say, I only want to see numbers of people that have lived in the home for X amount of time. So they've done a really good job. These systems have of trying to help you narrow down your audience. I only want to see investors. I only want to see whatever it is. That's cool. And it'll pull out a call list for you. Yeah. I'm, we have, we have farming tools too, but, and they claim to have phone numbers and We've tried it, but it's not. Yeah, the, some not of accurate. them are good. They'll pull, uh, they'll pull home numbers. I mean, so, some of them pull up to four or five phone numbers for a registered home. Doesn't mean it's always accurate, but it does have. You it, still got to do the legwork. You still got to. You got to yeah. call. But, but I think that's a great resource. That's one of the things. The questions I always get is, where do you get phone numbers and emails? So thank you for yeah. answering that. Okay. So um, you've picked your neighborhood. Now what? We're going to discuss the ground game approach, which was yeah. something we talked about yesterday. Okay. So, and and emphasize that this is where that work comes in, yep. you know, yep. of being consistent and doing the work. So let's, let's break apart the ground game approach. Yep. And I think this is super important because most people want to break into a farm simply through marketing, which we'll talk about, but it's really... I would say ground game first. You know, the ground game is the more important thing because we say this is a relationship-based business, right? Marketing is really not relationship-based. It's more branding-based. Who am I? Can I, can, I, can I brainwash people? Marketing by itself is very hard to do that unless you have an enormous budget and it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So <clears throat> most people don't have that type of money just to try to brainwash an entire community. Sure. So- by getting out there and doing the ground game, you are becoming relevant. You're you're trying to provide value. You 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 go to your neighborhood. You you could do anything from pop buys to uh, you know this is a market analysis of what's going on in our neighborhood. To I'm inviting you to an open house. So really door knocking, phone calling, doing community events, showing up and figuring out how you can volunteer within the schools and the local 
organizations within that community. You show up to those things. You show up to the HOA meetings. Most of these communities have Facebook pages. Show up on those Facebook pages and contribute, you know, versus just showing up and, hey, I'm the realtor. I'm your realtor. <laughs> I'm your realtor. Like, use me, you know, if anyone's yeah. needing a buy or sell. I mean, that that's that's what everybody would do. And it's the most basic of, of garbage Facebook, right? Sure. Or garbage advertising. There's no value to it. Um, so, but the ground game, the, the great thing about it, love it or hate it, is it works every single time. Every single time. Every single time. You can door knock, people are going to answer their doors and you're going to talk to them. You got to show up like a professional. When you are doing the ground game, you got to show up how you want the neighborhood to perceive you. Right. So I'm always going to show up as a professional. So I don't want them to mistake me for the local pest control person or roofer knocking their door. Do so you show up in a suit? I'm going to show up like this. I oh, know. you are. I okay. Yeah. All right. I like you it. Because that was yeah. one of my questions. You know, when you do the door knocking, you know, what are the keys? And you said, don't look like a salesperson and provide an item of value. Right. Yeah. Provide an item of value. And people are like, what, what is that? You don't have to spend money on anything. An item of value can simply be educational value. Yeah. Right. We're not there to sell them on something. And that's where I think so much of this is mindset. People are afraid to knock. They're afraid to call. And I heard something great last month and they said, you know, when you're afraid to lead generate, it's usually not that you are call deficient or door knocking deficient, you're value deficient. Yeah. Okay. Meaning that you would do those things if you felt like you had something valuable to share with them or something valuable to offer. And that's honestly how I do approach it. Hey, I don't know if you're looking to sell or buy, but if you do, I can promise you're going to want this information that I have for you and it's going to be valuable to you. You're going to want to know that this time of year is probably the best time of every single year to buy a home because of these statistics that I wanted to share with you. Okay. Right. And that's valuable to the right person. So you've pulled your list. You have your list of the people inside the neighborhood that are most likely to sell. So yeah. you're going to go door knock on those doors with this statistical information. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you do you use that. different items of value for different Areas. people in the neighborhood? You can. Does that make sense what I'm yeah. asking? Like for an example, I live in a new construction neighborhood. So I would think that realtors that are in my neighborhood would take a little basket to the newest homeowner and say, here's a list of referrals you'll need for the neighborhood, like pest control, lawn service, blah, blah, blah. That's a way to establish a relationship. Correct. Now, of course, they just bought a house, so they're not likely to sell. But that's, this is, a, not everything is a sale today, right? You're establishing the relationship for the long game. So do you provide different things to, because you mentioned pop buys too. Correct. So you're going to want to get depending on how the size of your neighborhood, right? So I lived in a very large neighborhood. That's one of these master planned communities. Um, and so I had to pick and say, well, it was almost like little mini subdivisions within subdivisions, yeah. within, within a larger subdivision. So I said, well, I can't pop by my entire subdivision because that would just be outrageously expensive. And I, I couldn't possibly do it. I don't have enough uh, manpower, but I could probably get the 60 homes that are right next to me in my pocket. Okay. That's simple to do. Yeah. And so can I come up with, you know, and it's the fall. We're coming up on the fall right now, right? This is like, you know, the easiest time for pot buys. There's just a million pot buy ideas. A million pumpkin the, things out yeah, there, folks. Pumpkins and soaps <laughs> and candles and Christmas. My goodness. Like this is pot by heaven. Right yeah. Now. And it doesn't have to be elaborate, right? Sure. I mean, it can, it's Halloween, you know, what, what do we do for Halloween? We eat candy. You know, you can get candy, make something. You know, my name's Charlie Brown at Valentine's. That, that's a benefit I have, you know, but I mean, oh, yeah. there's like Charlie Brown paraphernalia everywhere, everywhere. you know, for 
Valentine's, they make them in the little heart boxes. So we'll go yeah. buy those candies and put our little cards on them and drop them off at doors. And it's not 100 degrees, so they're not going to melt. But um, so pot buys are valuable because you want to establish nothing makes you more upset when you see that there's a sign in your neighbor's yard. No right? kidding. And you're like, I why so. didn't I get that? Yeah. But you have to, you can be upset and throw your tantrum, which we all do. But then the next question should be, why didn't I uh -huh. get it? Like, it's your fault. You yeah. know, why didn't they call you? Well, because how did they know to call you? So that's where I think the pot buys to a very hyper local area is super effective. Um, so if you have a smaller community, then yeah, do the pot buys once a quarter. Or you can say, I'm going to do a smaller bunch of 30, 40, 50 homes every month. The okay. great thing about this is you can start small and scale it. Yeah. I mean, a starting pot buy would cost $5. Yeah, tops. Okay. Yep. Tops, $5. You can do them for less. You really can. You can do them for probably two fifty, three bucks. Well, look, all you have to do is Google pop buys and you'll come up with a hundred ideas. ideas. Brian Buffini's got a whole list of them too. That, so. That's right. Um, I, know, I know people that make them look decent and they just go to the dollar store and go to town. I know. Sometimes I see some. I'm like, that's yeah. cute. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So we've taken our neighborhood, let's say 500 homes. I don't know. And you've broken it apart. The number doesn't matter. We've broken it apart into these little mini subdivisions, like you said. You've got your list of people that are most likely to sell. You've got the 16 or 17 homes just right around you that you want to hyper-focus on. What else do you do? You do okay, and uh, I would assume you take advantage of open houses in the neighborhood, yeah. right? What are what else do you do in the neighborhood to keep establishing yourself? That we had, um, we have a list of things, um. You have to have a reason for calling a door knocking, invite them to the open house that just went under contract, just sold. Um, so let's talk about breaking apart some of those steps. Kind that of the you process do. of growing the farm. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you, you do all of the legwork because you're hoping to get business. That's, that's what we're all aiming for. Sure. Right. But that one piece of business that you eventually do get, and you will get it if you do the work, mm -hmm. um, that's your leverage. It's like, once you have that, that is your trampoline, your catapult, right? Yeah, we talked about that. And, yes, and that's, that's where I was going with this. That's one of the most important things. So once you get that opportunity, you have to leverage it. And that's why they say, you know, you always are lead generating for listings because listings have the opportunity for you to be relevant in a way that nothing else is. When I have a listing, I could do an open house on that listing every single day. I can call around it. I can door knock around it. And I can say, this is my listing. And, and I, I, I immediately have a sense of confidence and relevance when I'm doing this geo farming activities. And when I do those open houses and people come in, it just yields a lot more business. So here's the great thing. If you, if you think about it <clears throat> to a, to a geo farm, if I got a listing, I'm going to door knock around it. I'm going to phone call around it. I'm going to get onto whatever social media pages this community is a part of, and I'm going to advertise it. I'm going to do my open house. Now, when I do my open house, you can do a passive open house or a proactive open house. What's the difference? Explain. Because a passive open houses by nature, I consider a passive activity, meaning that you have no control of the outcome. You could sit at an open house for four hours and have nobody show up. It's really not your fault to a full degree. Sure. So if I want to make my open house a proactive activity, I've got to do these activities around it to get something out of it. What do you mean? You don't just put a sign out for That's it right. and show up with some cookies? That's right. One sign isn't going to do it. So <laughs> we we tend to put out 20 to 30 signs. Now I say that saying, you know, be familiar. You, that was interesting to me Yeah. because I have not seen anyone put out that amount of signs before. Yep. And it, it became a very popular thing where we live. Uh, so much so that 
we almost had to start scaling it back because what do you mean? other realtors saw that we were doing it. And so they just tried to match it. And so we would wake up on a Saturday morning and there'd be like, Oh no, 300 open house signs. <laughs> it, it became like a one up game. It's like, Charlie put out 30. I'm going to put out 40. That's and then hilarious. the next guy's going to put out 50. <laughs> and before you knew it, it was a circus of signs circus. Um, so I just have this picture in my head of just, yeah. just signs on top of signs. <laughs> it, it, it was ridiculous. Okay. So, but we still put out, I'd say between 20 to 30 and this serves multiple purposes. Guys. Okay. Explain. Is that number one, it's branding. Don't just go buy the red open house signs. You know, if you had to spend money somewhere, spend them on branded stuff because okay. you want people to start seeing you and getting familiar with your logo, with your name. That's a great golden nugget. That's right. Because I see just those little open house with the arrow and there's no branding on it whatsoever. And so by the time I have 30 of these through a neighborhood, they're seeing them at all the intersections. I might only be doing one open house, but imagine if I did that open house two times a week, three times a week, you know, they're seeing those signs, 30 of them every single time. You do that for a couple of months. Once you start getting traction, before you know it, they think you own the neighborhood simply from a branding perspective. So you would do an open house two to three times, the same house. You can, yeah. Mm -hmm. Two to three times a week. Absolutely. Because I only see, a lot of times I only see them, you know, it's open on the weekend. Open on the weekend. So you do it during the week. Mm-hmm. What's your opt- optimum time during the week? Three to six. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on the weekend? Saturday, Sunday, Saturday you know, and or any, Sunday. We usually do them any time between 12 and four. Okay. Right. That, that's our typical time frame. Um, and so if you do all those activities, what's going to happen is ultimately you're going to get more business because you're doing the proactive activities around the open house. But once we sell that home, you know, we're going to send out a flyer. Yep. Now our CRM has the ability to send out a mar- now there's lots of software that you can just plug into but it's all pretty automated stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but our our CRM allows us to create the content and mail it out to our designated area that we choose. Are you talking uh, about just sold pers- postcard? Yeah, okay. un- yeah, under contract just sold whatever, but we do it for under contract. Yeah, that's right? interesting too. So as soon as the home goes under contract, we're going to send out a postcard. Now at okay. this point we've door knocked, we've phone called, we've open housed and now they're going to get a postcard. And then when it sells, we're going to send over a handwritten letter. Okay, explain the handwritten letter, because I think I've only received one handwritten letter from a realtor that was doing an open house in a neighborhood that I've lived in in my entire life. Okay. And it had an impact. I actually went over to my neighbor's house and I said, look what your realtor sent me. This is impressive. It made an impact. I kept it. And you, and you got it. You opened it or you looked at it. I did look at it because it was hand addressed. That's right. I thought it was hand addressed, hand stamped, hand signed. Um, And so, and we'll send them out once again to that same farm area. So now they're, they are, they've heard from us five to six times Mm -hmm. and we send that letter out and it's very simple and we're just fishing. We're fishing for the people that are interested. So if I have anything, even if I don't, but ideally, hopefully we have something positive to say about our listing. It sold in the first week. It sold in the first weekend. We got multiple offers. We sold for 5% over asking price, or we sold for a hundred percent of asking price. Come up with a reason. Yeah. This is the verbiage for the handwritten letter. Yeah. Hey, we just sold your neighbor's home at one, two, three main, main street. And we had three offers on it. There are still people looking in the neighborhood that we would love to help them find a home. If you're interested in selling, please give us a call at blah, 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 blah. Perfect. And Love it. people call us. Love it. You know, and this is one of those things that, you know, I'm sharing this. Uh, it was really interesting. Um, you know, we're not looking to recreate the wheel, guys. I didn't come up with this. You know, anything that you ever hear has probably been created and done by somebody else. Oh, at I a totally very high play, level. plagiarize all the time. And so th- this is our business. And mm-hmm. the reality is, is I had heard about this and I was like, well, 
why not? So going back to my scaling is that we started this on a small scale and we saw results instantly, instantly. First batch we sent out, we got calls. I had listings within two months That's of okay. doing this That's letter, incredible. right? Um, the handwritten letter. The that handwritten letter the program. Kind of, it, that seems to me like the biggest golden nugget out of, I mean, you have to do all these other things. I'm not saying there's no shortcut. That, yeah. I, I'm not saying that the, the other things are not as important, Yeah, but I think that's where, where you really just set yourself apart. Correct. And so the letter thing, it, it's one more touch, <clears throat> but it adds a lot of validity to who you are. And you do start to kind of brainwash the community because they've now heard from us six times and maybe only on one home. Yeah. So say that I get a second home and I do the same six activities. Now you now heard from me 12 times. What happens when you've done five or six homes in a year? They've heard from you 30 to 40 times. And before you know it, they're just like, oh my gosh, this person just, <laughs> they just do the business. Yeah. And some of them get annoyed. Sure. You know, oh my gosh, I don't want to see any more of your materials. But yeah. it, that tells us it's working. Uh-huh. You know? uh, that was going to ask you that. I took that question off, but it's like, what happens when... <laughs> When people tell you you're bucking up too much. You know, if if, <laughs> if you have your geo farm in your database, uh, to some degree, you do have some control of, you know, if I'm sending this to the same neighborhood, I probably have that neighborhood in like some sort of Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. So I might go in there and, Scr and, and scrub it, off. Yeah. you know, so we, we do scrub. That is an important question that I think we talked about briefly before. Especially on the do not, on the do not call yeah, list. Yeah. When you're, when you're making those calls, what's nice is that most systems do have a scrub, the do not call list, which you're going to want to do. Um, but in terms of sending out letters, there's not really like a do not mail list, you know, it's just, yeah. this is where they go. Um, so it's a little bit harder when people call me and say, don't send me mail. I'm like, do you literally call every person that sends you junk mail to sell them don't send you junk mail like do you have people call you, you know? and ask you that yeah yeah it's crazy i'm like well, <laughs> some people with some time on their hands yeah so <laughs> you know if, if we can we try to accommodate that but it is a little bit harder but phone calling you can definitely control it and that's the one where sometimes people can call you out on that but i will door knock everything okay. um i wouldn't worry about being afraid to door knock once again you're not selling something you're not knocking on their door saying, buy this from me, but you are literally inviting them to something. You're offering value. So the no soliciting, quite frankly, doesn't really bother me because I'm not soliciting. And I've been doing this for 13 years. I mean, almost never, I've never had a super negative experience at a door. Sure, you're going to get your grumpy people that don't want to answer and don't want to talk, but that's no different than anything else. Right. Right. So I'll take that all day long. I'll knock a hundred doors and talk to 50 people and maybe only have two that were semi-rude. Most people are pretty polite because you're polite. As long as you're polite yeah. and you look professional, they treat you differently. Okay. Um, okay. So we've talked about the ground game. Mm -hmm. Anything you need to add for the ground game? Because I thought, I think that's, but I want to get to marketing and community events. So I want to make sure. Yeah, no, the ground game is really important. And I think that's really your foundation because then everything else really supplements it. And that's when you can see a big return is when you got the ground game going and now you can add got it. these that's other components. Got it. That's important to say. Okay. So let's discuss how you market the neighborhood and give to the community. Yeah. And how that you and how that goes hand in hand with the ground game, right? Well, and we talked about some of the marketing. I would consider things like flyers marketing, um, but it works when it's complemented by the other things. Because that's the thing. Remember that they've already seen your name five to six times. So when they get that mailer, there's some association with Maybe it is junk mail, but it's okay because it's just one more touch. But if it's my only touch, that's where agents make a huge mistake. 
they just send mailers. Mm -hmm. So if someone gets your mailer once a month, that's not enough because you have no you have no true value to the community yet. It's just you're just another mailer. Right. But when they've seen my name and my brand a hundred times, sure, maybe they throw it away. But at that point, I am somewhat integrating into their mindset to where hopefully when they think, oh, I need a real estate agent, I'm the first person they think of. And that's the goal there. So with the marketing specific, you can do, uh, we've done everything from newsletters. We've hopped into a lot of neighborhoods do have like their own monthly magazine. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can hop into their monthly magazines and advertise. Um, of course, you can do targeted social media marketing into a specific geo farm area. Um, so there's a lot that you can do, but uh, from a marketing standpoint, it usually is pretty simple to, when you send out flyers, make sure that you are again, trying to provide value. Make sure there's a call to action and try to have it to why are they going to pick up the phone and call me? If it says just sold, I'm not sure that's even the best message. You know, it, it, it's got to be, hey, we got four offers on this property, sold it for 115% of asking price. We could do the same for you. You know, something that is that's a little bit a better. That's a big golden, I mean, there's so many golden nuggets in this. That's another one is having a call to action on the postcard. It isn't just sold, but it's like we had multiple offers. So we still, I, we, my team still has buyers looking in the area. Are you trying to sell your house? Please call me. Right. Correct. I mean, mm -hmm. it is making that connection. I'm a big believer in making connections so that we all have the opportunity to, to grow together. Right. Do yep. more business. And that's, I think that's, that's what makes this different is it's not just, Oh, look at what the house I sold. It's, I want you to be successful. Everyone needs to be successful here, right? And what is your goal? Are you trying to sell a house, right? Allow me, here's what I have in my repertoire to help you do that. That's exactly. at a different level than everyone else. What's your program? What, what's your value proposition? Yes. You want them to see that. Um, that's why those, hey, we'll buy your home in 90 days, uh, you know, if it's not sold, these guarantee sell programs, mm -hmm. they've been around for 40 years, mm -hmm. but they still work today because it's a program. So programs work. So try to have a program that you can market. That's a whole nother topic. But um, in terms of the marketing, you know, and once you're in a community, try to get involved in the community. And that's really important uh, for them to see that you're doing things for the community. So there's, uh, you know, we will put on events for the, number one, we'll put on events and we'll join events that they are already doing. And look, doing. not everything that you do that we talked about costs a ton of money. No. And no. so I think that's really important. That's another golden nugget is you can do a lot of these community events or this market, these marketing eff efforts without a lot of money. Events are my favorite thing to do. Okay. So let's talk about events. Because if you can do an event, obviously you got people coming to you. Sure. Right. And that, that's, that's the beauty of, a, of an event. Yeah. I can plant myself in one spot and have a hundred people come to me. Um, so you're right. Sometimes I will get like a, your, your snow cone truck, Kona ice. Hey, we're going to have Kona ice out here and just come between 12 and two meet me, have a, you know, have, have a snow cone on me. Um, but the most important thing with any event that you do is you want to make sure that you have something that they are filling out, signing in. Yeah. So not only do we always have an event, but we always have a giveaway associated with the event. Okay. Because that's really important. Otherwise, I'm just meeting 100 people. Sure. And yeah, maybe they like me and they think that's really cool that Charlie did this, but I have no way to take control of the relationship. Yeah, so you've got to capture their info. Have power. You want to give yourself some power. So we'll always have a giveaway. It could be a basket. It could be, you know, for Christmas, I buy a hundred gingerbread houses. I'm the first person to target when these things go on sale. Uh, and, huh. and we buy a hundred gingerbread houses and I've done this for three years now. And we show up at one of our community parks right by the school and 
we're just there till those hundred are gone. And people okay. love it. They yeah. come, they send me pictures of it, they post it. And all you gotta do is come and fill out my fill out my sign-in sheet to get your free gingerbread house. But who doesn't love putting gingerbread houses together at Christmas time? So, you know. And those are not expensive. They're they're not. And so the beauty in this is on that sign-in sheet, it does kind of have a, give me your information and would you like information about your home? And the, the, the magic in this is inevitably, if I have 100 people sign in, I can promise you I have at least 10 to 15 that have circled something about, yes, I want mm -hmm. more information about something, right? So that's a good ROI. If I spend $1,000 on gingerbread houses, which might sound like a lot for gingerbread houses, but if I spend $1,000 on gingerbread houses and I have a potential of just call even three closings yeah. over those hundred that signed in. I can guarantee you I get one closing, but if, I'll probably get more than that. Two, three. I mean, my ROI is huge at that point. Right? But let's be clear. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've done, you've laid the groundwork with your ground game before you get to, That's right. don't skip ahead to community yeah. events because they're fun. Okay. That's right. They are fun. <laughs> now on that note, lots of times, especially this time of year, communities are hosting their own events yep. and they need vendors. So if I'm an agent out there, that's a golden opportunity because the only money you really need to spend would be on what you're giving away at the events. Right. And so we always have something of value, especially for the kids, but we want to have something for the kids and for the adults to stay, um, to sign in for our raffle. So we, uh, we give, we have all kinds of fun things, but we, we have a tent. So, okay, there, there's our investment. I spent money on a tent. We got our table. And then lots of times we'll partner with our vendor partners, quite frankly, on the prizes and the giveaways. Sure. Right. So the cost is very low. It's almost nothing for me to sign up and go host an event at this point. Uh, let's, even though I don't, you, you, it may be, it may feel a little elementary, but you've captured those leads. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then what? Yeah. It's really isn't elementary because the funny <laughs> Follow thing is, up. Yeah, <laughs> is the, where I'm going with this. The funny thing is I sat on some panels with some agents that do a lot of business, way more than I do. And one of the questions that lots of we, we, we get asked at the end is, okay, what's a big mistake you've made? Or what's one thing that you would change in your business if you were talking to an audience of people that are getting started or whatever, looking to improve. And I would say one of the most consistent things I hear is that we fail to manage our database. Yep. I think that's probably, I have lost well over a million dollars by lack of managing my database. And it's just a matter of how long does it take us to realize that pain of, oh my gosh, like there's just money free flowing out of uh -huh. my hands and it's my fault. So you have to have a CRM to capture these people. So we have these sign-in sheets. And if you're not going to be the one to do it, then pay somebody to do it. How much it costs you 50 bucks to have somebody enter a hundred Right. sheets into your CRM. Was it fervor or something? Where yeah, you can hire that's right. You can hire virtual help. You can do so many things, but to do the work and not follow up with the people is one of the single biggest mistakes we make. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I refuse to talk about CRMs because if you don't have a CRM, then yeah, you've got to have a CRM. <laughs> and I tell people Excel is not a CRM, right? You it, are not you wrong. Know, Excel is not Look, a CRM. I, I, I don't, you know, when you're very first starting out and you don't have a lot of money and your broker may not have one, maybe that's a good place to start, but start. Yeah. Okay. And, and you need to graduate to an actual, actual functioning CRM pretty quickly. But, you know, I mean, that's just, these are, these are such basics of real estate, right? And it's so interesting to me when I talk to people who don't, I mean, they're realtors that don't have a CRM and I'm like, well, that's where we're going to. 
That's where yeah. we start. But I don't actually, I don't have a lot of those conversations anymore just because I just think that's the basic of sales, right? And if you're not going to leverage your CRM, then you're not, it's going to be very difficult to be successful. And a good CRM, since we're on the topic, but it should, it should remind you, it should have automation built yeah. into it. It should allow you to build a relationship and communicate with your clients very well. So if it doesn't do all those things, then you probably have the wrong CRM. Which one do you use? We use Brivity. Okay. And now we've used Follow Up Boss. We've used, you know, Command at Kelly Williams. So, and they all have awesome things to them, right? So just find the one that kind of works for you and what you're looking for. But that's a phenomenal example of if I have a little bit of money to spend, where do I spend it? CRM would be a much wiser use than most things that people. I mean, you're talking like 100, 150 bucks a month for most CRMs as an individual user. As a team user, I got to pay more, but even then it's not. Well, much. and once you get a CRM, you have to actually use it or else there's no point in spending that 150 bucks. Um, okay. I, would, I don't want to run out of time here because I I, am, I want to talk about the golden letter because I really thought that was a big item of value to leave with the audience as well. So do you want to, do you mind telling us about the golden letter? Yeah. The golden letter is once again, not something that we came up with, but it is something that has worked for us very well. And that's this, this can be farming and it can leave farming, right? It doesn't have to be with farming. And maybe, so we'll leave the topic a little bit here of, of geo farming because the golden letter just seems to work everywhere. It's going back to the basics. People tend to open envelopes that look like they're hand addressed. And, um, you know, our, our golden letter is simply a letter that states, we will send it out to an area. We'll, we'll define what area we want. Now, ideally, I will say this, ideally, you do have a buyer looking in a particular area. But if you meet anybody, even at an open house that says, I'm looking for a home that fits this criteria in this area, right? Let's start there. And I can say, great, I'm going to send out a letter to this community, to this area. Maybe it's 500 homes. And I'm just going to say, I have a buyer who's interested and buying in this in this area, there's nothing on the market that fits their criteria right now. Basically, give me a call if you're interested in, in hearing more or if you're interested in selling. And it's so simple. And people call us all the time for multiple reasons. Sometimes they actually are like, I hear this all the time. They're like, wow, your timing is so crazy. I was just thinking that I needed to sell. I got a call last week. I had to relocate. And your letter came at just the right time. I hear this every oh my week. Oh, my gosh. Every week. And so that's why the sending the stuff out matters because you never know when you're going to hit the right person. And so we send this letter out. And once again, the ROI has been astronomical. And we have found people that are for all, all kinds of reasons. And sometimes it's a lot of off-market stuff. They're calling me saying, can you sell my home off-market? Well, maybe I can. Tell me a little bit about your situation. What do we need to do? So we have been able to sell a lot of homes off-market, depending on where you're at in your business and who you can plug into, even within your own office. You know, we'll meet people who say, I'm willing to sell, but it has to be off-market. I'm willing to sell, but it has to be a cash offer and I need to sell in two weeks. Okay. Now you can start plugging into like, who's your investor network? Are yeah. you an investor? And I've, you know, we've flipped three homes this year just from this, you know, and made a very good profit. But we were able, it was a win-win, oh, you yeah, know, for it sure. was a win-win. Uh, we're not taking advantage of anyone as, a, as an agent. You know, we have to tell people, you could sell your home for this or we could go this route. And there's plenty of iBuyer programs out there. Most of the time, we're really doing nothing more than matching the iBuyer program and yeah. then just offering maybe a little bit more plus a much better service experience. Oh, you need to stay in the home for a month. No problem. I don't care. Right. You're not going to get that from a big company. So, um, you know, the golden letter, we started out by just doing, I think maybe a few hundred and now we're sending out 
probably seven to eight thousand a month. Are you serious? Yeah. And so it's become a wow. In less than two years, it's become one of our five leading sources of business. It worked instantly. That yeah. is incredible. And you're right. It doesn't necessarily have much always to do with uh, geofarming, but I think it was something unique that yeah. I hadn't really heard much about before. So I really thought that that was something it's, that- It's two sentences, guys. It's like, we have a buyer who's interested. Are you interested in selling? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, and because it is kind of a form feed, you know, it has their name, their information. So it's easy to do. You know, we don't handwrite that. That part's typed, but we hand sign it. We hand address the envelope. We have a real stamp on it. You know, it's not some automated right. stamp. And those are some of the tricks to the trade on getting people to open your letters. I had one of these appointments last night and he literally said, I throw away all junk mail, but yours looked like a real letter. So I opened it and there I was in, in his house talking to him about how he had a relationship with an agent who he was going to list with. But if I could offer him this particular scenario, he would, he would go with me. And I, I think we'll probably be able to offer it to him. So that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, so it, it just works. All these things work, but we send them out monthly. Some months are better than others. You can't quit just because you have a bad door, a bad phone call, a bad month of sending anything out. So as we started with consistency is the key on everything. I don't care what you're doing. You've got to give it all in for at least at least probably four to six months before you start seeing a return on your efforts. Now, things will come to you quicker, but give yourself six months to, to make sure you've, you've uh, gotten your, your, your ground game running. Well, and I love that we started with that and we're ending with that, right? Yeah. Be mm -hmm. consistent, be patient, you know, keep yeah. doing what you're doing, keep your plan in place, and then understand that it's going to be a minute before you see the bigger payoff, right? Yep. So I think that's a great place to stop for today. Thank you, Charlie, for being my guest on my no podcast. Problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, I, I actually learned some, some new things today, so I appreciate that very much. That's another episode. Again, I'm your host, Tamara Gady. If you like my content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So give me an opportunity to talk to you about your title needs and make it a great day.